This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined by Gabby Urrutia. Gabby, while this is definitely a football and recruiting podcast here uh, concerning the Miami Hurricanes, I think we do need to just open uh, with how cool it is that Miami's basketball team. Oh, yeah has made a sweet 16 run here. Um, I, I don't know. I think this team is fun to watch. Uh, they play hard. Uh, they have what I like about them most, Gabby, is they have an identity and yeah. they lean into it, right? Because you look at them like body type wise and the way they play, it's like a mid-major type of school with, yeah. you know, they play small ball. Uh, they play a scramble style of full court defense, right? They thrive in the chaos. And again, it's not pretty. They're not like, they're not uh, hitting a bunch of three-pointers, or at least in these first two games of the tournament, they aren't. Uh, but they play very hard. And that Auburn that Auburn win was a lot of fun to watch from start to finish. Yeah, man. I mean, I have a good friend that actually picked Miami to, to advance and like beat Auburn. And I was telling him, I was like, you're crazy. Auburn's been like the best team in the country basically all year. But, man, just watching them get after it. I mean, they win with defense. I mean, just sort of how chaotic they are with just pressuring the ball and just being aggressive, like, you know, jumping the passing lanes and all yeah. those types of things and, you know, just doing the little things that just really – I mean, Bruce Pearl said after the game, they hadn't been punched in the mouth like that all year. And yeah. I think that just shows – I mean, it's a it's a gritty veteran team. You talk about it like a mid-major. It feels like they're, you know, really like – they play more of that style. They're not recruiting the high-profile guys, like no Jabari Smiths on that roster – no guys that are going to get drafted super high. Uh, I think Isaiah Wong might have made himself some money for sure, but you know, just a really fun team to watch. And we just talk about them having an identity. I mean, it's it's defense. It feels like that team wins with just playing fast and just being just dominant on the defensive end. So really, really cool to see them back in the Sweet 16. I was kind of thinking about it. I mean, like, so I guess this is Miami's third trip since 2013. Like, I yeah, feel like they're, in a, they're probably, th- yeah, I feel like they're in a pretty select group. Like, I think if you look at other teams that have been in three sweet 16s over that span, I mean, Miami's probably in some pretty good company. Yeah. And look, I think there's no reason why Miami can't be consistently a, a tournament team. I, I'm not saying consistently a sweet 16 right. team, but 
you look at Miami as a profile and I know they're, they're not like a blue bud, blue blood college basketball school, but Miami is in the ACC. It's in the city of Miami, which, you know, is an attractive place to live. And honestly, it's, it's kind of a, it's a basketball market now with the success of the heat, um, you know, this century. And, uh, you know, I think you just gotta, you gotta keep giving big time recruits a reason to come. I think they will come. And, and also too the transfer portal, right? Miami is an attractive destination. We've seen it in football and basketball, quite frankly. Uh, you know, Miami can land some talented transfers. So, yeah, I mean, let's keep it rolling. Let's get to the uh, elite, elite eight, right? A fa- pretty favorable, about as favorable of a matchup as you could ask for in the Sweet oh, for 16. Sure. Um, and yeah, you mentioned Jabari Smith. In that game, at least, he he seemed like he wanted none of that smoke for yeah. like whatever reason. He was just not into the game. Um, Sam Wardenberg was, you know, Dikembe Mutombo out there. Oh yeah, blocking shots at the rim. What really makes it work, I think, though, is how all the guards are willing rebounders. I don't know. It's it's impressive how they all make it work. And uh, again, it's not pretty, but it's it's effective. I mean, it's just a really exciting. I mean, you just look at the opportunity now. I mean, you got a ten versus an eleven seed in the in the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, Miami's favorited in this game. I mean, this is a it's going to be a lot of fun to see what ends up happening here. And yeah, man, just watching those guys get after it. I mean, I mean, Isaiah Wong, Charlie Moore, just taking those long threes. He sort of hits from the top of the key from time to time. All those guys getting after it. I mean, Jordan Miller, I thought did a really, really good job uh, on Jabari Smith. I mean, that was that was an impressive defensive performance. I mean, we're talking about an All American and Jabari. You went Smith at him a little bit too yeah, on man. the offensive he, end. So for sure, for sure, he was he kind of he definitely tested Jabari Smith, and you know that that was a. I mean, Jordan Smith didn't have all the big numbers or anything like that. He did hit some big shots, but I mean, what he did sort of locking him down uh, again, a guy that's projected to potentially be the top the top draft pick. You know, when that when that time comes. Um, I mean, that's, that's huge. And again, talking about a transfer, Jordan Miller, I think came from George Mason, I believe, which is obviously where Jim Laranega was back, back, back in the day when he made that deep final four run. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of got to work the portal. I think when you're a basketball player looking to, for your next destination, I mean, I think you have to look at Miami and what they just did with a bunch of portal guys in mean, between Charlie Moore, uh, Jordan Miller, guys like that. And then, you Augusti. know, just how they make, yeah, Cam Augusti a couple years ago too from Oklahoma. So, you know, they make it work down here. And, you know, even if they're, you know, definitely going to sign a few top high school players as well. But, I mean, there's a chance for this team to – or they're probably going to have to reload this roster. And I think they're going to have a, a good pitch to some of these veteran guys looking for a place to play. So keep it rolling. It's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, you know, March Madness, always a good time when your team's making a run like this. Um, so let's transition to our area of expertise, and that is football. And this week – uh, you know, we took a week off, basically the program took a week off with it being spring break. Everyone kind of had some time to go take some vacations. Um, so football's back this week. The hurricanes will return to practice on Tuesday and it's gonna, I believe it's going to be the first practice in full pads. You know, there's a NCAA acclimation period where they're not allowed to practice in full pads, I believe for the first three practices. So that's out of the way now. And Miami can, uh, you know, practice 
play real football, basically. Uh, and it'll be an opportunity for Mario Cristobal and his staff to evaluate the physicality positions like offensive line, running back, defensive line, linebacker, better than they did in the first three practices. Um, but Gabby, I want to kind of review, um, you know, after marinating on it some, uh, what we learned or think about this team after just that first week um, of spring. Because while we don't get to watch the entire practice, we do get to watch a good bit of it. Um, I would say we probably get to watch 70% of practice. I don't know, 65%. So we do get to see quite a bit. Um, and let's start, let's start on the positive side, right? What is something you feel like you learned during that first week that you're encouraged about with this team? Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, I feel like coming in, we sort of heard about like, you know, how hands-on Mario Cristobal is with, you know, the offensive line and you got Alex Mirabal there helping out too, Cody Woodiel. So sort of seeing that in person and even just watching the way the offensive line was moving around, obviously, again, David, we haven't seen him in full pads. We'll probably get a better idea of how they actually look this week. But I feel like offensive line was a position that I kind of walked away from the week feeling like, okay, about like, again, Jalen Rivers, Sean Campbell, you know, two potential starters, not really in the mix there when they're, you know, actually hitting or doing anything like that, but sort of watching them tug and pull and all that type of stuff. Um, you know, I thought that they, you know, showed some promise. I thought when it came to offensive line versus defensive line, I probably would have given the nudge to the offensive line and just watching Cristobal and those guys, you know, be being so concentrated on the offensive line specifically, I thought, you know, was, was yeah. pretty cool to watch. And I thought that's something that maybe, you know, reflected throughout the first three practices. I agree. I think again, weren't in full pads, uh, but you know, pass protection, there's a lot of pass pro work, right. Um, which you could kind of judge. And I thought Zion Nelson looked really good. I mean, we all know he has a high talent level. I think a big key for him this off season is staying healthy. I don't know if he's had a, a fully healthy off season since his, you know, early enrollee freshman year. Um, but I thought he looked really good um, in week one. And building on your point too, Gabby, I think the, you know, it's, it's going to be a big difference in the run game between last year's offense and this year's offense. And I think I touched on this in our quick review podcast uh, before the break, but the run blocking play designs, um, I think are exciting, right? There's a lot of pulling guards. There's a lot of offensive linemen working to get to the second level. Um, whereas obviously the Rhett Lashley run, run system, which frustrated, I think a lot of fans, uh, which I get cause it wasn't effective, uh, basically, you know, running the ball, uh, at a shotgun primarily, uh, on the interior of the offensive line, interior of the line of scrimmage, uh, which can work if you have a physically dominant offensive line. Uh, I don't think Miami's offensive line is there yet, um, in terms of being able to impose their will on a lot of defensive lines. So it, I think it's encouraging that Mario Cristobal is, is, uh, implementing a system where, you know, the offensive line can get out and block in space a little bit, um, you know, find yardage that way. Um, so I do think I did leave the first week of spring football 
liking that. And, you know, this isn't saying much, but I would be surprised if Miami is not improved uh, running the ball in 2022. How much they improve, I think, is to be determined. Um, but, I, but I do think they're going to be a better running outfit. Uh, I will highlight... I'll highlight the tight ends. Um, you know, I think this is a big year for Will Mallory. Um, he's a guy that needs to stay healthy because I feel like throughout his career, he's always deal. He plays through a lot of nagging injuries that I don't think get a lot of attention. Um, but when he is fully healthy and when he's right, he can be a, a, a pretty dangerous threat at tight end. I think we saw that in, in, week one of spring. I think, uh, Elijah Arroyo continues to be a nice, uh, tight end that can contribute in the pass game and run blocking. I think it's safe to say he's their best run blocker. And I think he'll be used in that way. A lot of two tight end sets. And then Jaleel Skinner to me was one of the surprises. Um, you know, he's still, he's still on the thinner side, but it's not, you know, I think he's made progress since high school with changing his body. And I think he will continue to, to gain strength and weight to his frame. And I don't know if he's going to play like a significant role in 2022, but, uh, I think he flashed a lot, uh, in week one and the potential there is very intriguing. And Josh Gaddis, I think realizes the strength of this team right now, as it is constructed, um, that we see in the spring, because remember they're missing Jalen Knight and Don Chaney. They're missing a couple offensive linemen. The wide receivers are still trying to get sorted out. The strength of this offense right now in the spring is definitely tight ends. And you can tell he's, uh, making them a point of emphasis with his play calling in that first week. Yeah. <clears throat> Whoa. Uh, I, I think you just, even just hearing him talk after practice, I think it's obvious that, you know, that's where it, things are sort of maybe even trending just because he said that, you know, really a part of this spring is sort of figuring out what the strengths and weaknesses are. I think he's been pretty open about the fact that he's going to, you know, maybe coach to the personnel. That's something he did at Michigan, uh, probably why they ran the ball as much as they did and, you know, had some people concerned about the offense and all those things, but he is someone that, that I think, really relies on what his team sort of gives him is what he sort of puts out there. And yeah, I mean, when you're looking at the tight ends, it's hard, it's hard to imagine this offense being sort of drawn out and all that stuff without, you know, the Will Mallory's Elijah Royos, maybe even a Jalil Skinner. I mean, let's see how this goes, but um, you know, those guys being, you know, a staple of this offense, just because it feels like that is the most complete group of any of them. I think again, the running backs have a shot when those guys are healthy. I mean, it's a, it's a good group, Um, you know, talented guys. We don't really know too much. The receivers, I think we can we can expect more from them. I think hopefully they can give them more. But right now, from what they know at this point in this spring, it's it's the tight ends that are probably that you know could be the strength of this offense. Anything else to touch on that you liked or found encouraging from that first week? I mean, just something you know. I guess something that I, I don't really know how you measure it or anything like that, but it's something probably not super unexpected. Again, and I know it's something we've touched on, but really just. This feels like the energy's there. I mean, everyone's hyped. I feel like they're moving around at a good pace. Uh, you know, everyone's sort of running around. It seems to be, you know, the, even though they're not really hitting, it seems to be a little bit more physical. I know that's something that a guy's like, you know, James Williams even highlighted just the physicality of everything. 
So, you know, again, I think now when we see them in full pads, we're going to get a better understanding of that. But it seems like the players are sort of on board about being more physical, just sort of, you know, doing those things that you sort of want to see during the spring that you expect to see during the spring, especially the first spring with a new head coach with so much, you know, positive momentum around the program and all those good things, but definitely seen a ton of that. So um, that's always encouraging. I'll mention to the corners caught my attention, quite frankly. Um, you know, are they, are they all ACC caliber corners? No, but, um, you know, I think in week one, they won the matchup against the wide receivers, um, which I probably would not have expected. Um, and, and you, you think about the corners that they do have out there right now. They got some veteran guys that have played a lot of snaps. I think yeah. DJ Ivy, Al Blades, Takori Couch have all played over a thousand defensive snaps. Marcus Clark, I believe, started four games last year um, in the second half of the season. So, look, am I saying I still think the group has some questions to answer, but in terms of what they showed in week one, I was I was encouraged. Um, and then, you know, they're going to add West Virginia transfer Daryl Porter into the mix in the summer. Um, so the depth, I think, is in a pretty good spot. I would still like to see one of those guys emerge as clearly the number two guy to play with Tyreek Stevenson, who's out this spring with, with injury um, or recovering from a surgery. Um, so, but I will, I do think it's worth giving them some love because they were better than I expected, I think. Yeah. And, and just one thing on, on Tyreek Stevenson, I was actually talking to someone over the weekend. It sounds like he's been cleared for, individual drills but no contact okay. so um maybe i mean i don't know i don't know if we're going to expect him to see him a, a, t- a ton or even in pads or anything like that but david last week we did see him running on the field um, yeah. on the opposite sideline just sort of running he didn't seem to have any like medical restraints or any braces or anything like that so you know just talking to someone who trains him and stuff on the side it sounds like he's sort of trending on his way back just not ready to be a just, uh, just not a full go in terms of, you know, hitting and taking hits and all that stuff. So that's I, think a positive. That, I think that might be the case for a lot of these guys that are yeah. out because it's a lot of shoulders, quite frankly. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I think at some point a lot like a guy like Chase Smith, I don't think he's even in a sling right now, uh, but is he going to be cleared for contact this spring? I don't know. Probably. I mean, I would, I would say no. Um, and I think that's going to happen over the next month because we still basically have a month until the spring game. So I would say between now and the spring game, probably a lot of those guys will come out of the slings. Um, but I would not expect them to be full participants in terms of like tackling. Um, how about we go to the negative side of things? What is something that you saw or, or feel coming out of week one that was a little bit discouraging? Yeah, maybe the receivers. Um, I know I've kind of been, I feel like we've been talking about that a lot. Um, you know, I, w- it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be super su- surprised to see those guys bounce back and have a good week with now in pads and all that stuff. You know, I do think there's, there's talent in the group. Um, but, you know, I just, I just feel like no one really kind of, you know, took that next step. No one really made that big play. 
um, you know, or anything like that. So I think there's just more I want to see from the receivers. Uh, obviously lost the top two guys with Rambo, Charleston Rambo, and Mike Harley. Um, so definitely want to see someone else step up. And, uh, you know, probably the receivers, I would say, I was probably most disappointed with, you know, coming out of that first week. I'm with you. I mean, who wants the job, right? That's yeah. basically what we're asking. Um, and I agree, there wasn't, there wasn't much clear separation, in my opinion, from, I don't know, I think there's, what, seven guys out there yeah. from one through seven. I don't know if there was like, oh, wow, this is the guy. We're talking mainly outside. I think Xavier Restrepo is clearly the slot guy. I think he's a cut above the other options there right now. Um, but in terms of like the outside receivers, yeah, someone needs to step up. Frank Latson looks pretty, looks like the guy you want to be your number one receiver. Um, and hopefully this first week was just a, a time for him to get comfortable with the new school, et cetera. Um, but let's go. It's time. Uh, Keyshawn Smith, I would say the same thing. Um, played a ton of snaps last year. It's time to produce. Um, and Jacoby George, you know, I would say he flashes, but then he also has some drops that are, yeah. you know, not Bad. good. Yeah. <laughs> so I agree. I mean, hopefully, and I, I'm with you, like there is talent there. All these guys we name are talented, can do the job. Uh, but there comes a point in time where it's like, eventually you got to produce or this staff's going to go out and find someone that will do it. Um, I would say discouraging for me was defensive end play. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, I mean, Zion Nelson is good. Uh, DJ Scaife has shown to be serviceable at times at right tackle. Uh, but at the same time, Gabby, like, I don't know, over the past, what, five years or so, like we know what good defensive end play looks like in spring football, um, especially that first week when the pads aren't on. Typically, that first week, the good defensive ends we've seen Miami produce over the last five years, honestly, like borderline dominate practice because uh, their athleticism is hard to handle when the pads aren't on. Uh, that really wasn't the case, I would say, in week one at all. Uh, I think the offensive line did win the battle overall against the defensive line, which you can draw your own conclusions from that statement. Um, and again, I, I, I think like receiver, there is physical talent. There is physical ability in that defensive end group with Jafari Harvey and Chance. Um, but they just need to find a way to put it all together on the field and produce. what do you think of the defensive ends? Yeah. I mean, that, that's an easy number two for me in terms of just like maybe most disappointing. Um, you know, I also maybe, maybe could that could be due to Elijah Roberts being, you know, that he sort of messed up his ankle during that Fair. first spring practice. I know he's someone they're really excited about. Um, didn't get to see a ton of him at uh, you know, defensive end when, you know, they really started going at getting after it. So, you know, maybe Elijah Roberts makes things look a little bit better, but I think we also just showed, I think it just also sort of magnified the lack of depth there. And again, you got Cyrus yeah. Moss kind of running with the twos as a true freshman who is just not physically ready to, you know, take right. that next step. I think he just needs more time to develop, which is fine. Uh, Nigel yeah. Kelly being someone that's out, um, you know, Chance he, is Lewis, he does look physically ready. Nigel Lee. Nigel Lee does just, for sure. He's just out, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. He's just out with a labrum, should be back during the summer. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I just, you know, Jafari Harvey, I feel like every year it's kind of been like, you know, we kind of get the off season stuff cause he kills the weight room and, you know, he definitely has a lot of that stuff that, you know, definitely gets people excited, but you know, when it comes to actually being on the field and producing, I just, I'm just not sure we've seen him take that next step again, a guy's flashed, but, um, you know, I just think there's, we need more from that defensive end room. You know, I feel like it's always been one of the pillars of this, of these Miami defenses and, you know, just being able to get to the quarterback is, is just so important. Uh, and if you want this defense to be successful, so, um, yeah, definitely want to see more from the defensive end. So hopefully those guys sort of take a next step now with the pads on, we'll see how that goes. And I'll say this, like the Miami, this Miami staff is kind of telling us without telling us that they agree with our assessments here by, so as we speak now, right, they're hosting uh, UCLA defensive end transfer. We can get into him later, uh, in depth. What, how do you say his name, Gabby? I think it's Mitchell Agude. Agude. So he's a defensive end They're You know, they're trying to address the position there and then wide receiver. They're chasing one of the better Juco options. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, there, there's a standard and we'll see if the guys on the team now can reach that standard by the end of spring. There's talent there. Um, but it needs to start producing. Um, let me ask you this too: Which one of these group, which one of those groups, do you feel better about in 2022? Wide receiver, defensive end. Um, wow, it's tough. Uh, I might go. I might go receive. I don't know. That's tough. Kind of pinned me against the wall there. That may be receiver, just because I think that there is some talent there. And I, I mean, with Tyler Van Dyke, I mean, you got a quarterback that can maybe elevate those guys a little bit they do i think just need to get better i think they need to elevate their game for sure but i think with tyler van dyke there i think maybe he can potentially help you know get those guys to maybe play better than you know maybe what we're seeing now uh maybe we'll see maybe it'll be different against opponents and all that stuff so maybe the receivers just because i feel better about tyler van dyke i would agree i think the receiver also too i think it's worth mentioning like you mentioned elijah roberts at defensive end it's a shame Romello Brinson is being held out yeah. um, with what appears to be a shoulder deal. Um, I think he would have something to say about uh, that competition for a starting outside receiver job. Um, let's see. Newcomer that flashed the most. Who you got? I, I mean, I might go Henry Parrish just because he's like the, one of the, sure. main, the main backs back there. Um, definitely liked a lot of what I saw from him. Um, you know, just throughout the course again, no, I mean, not really in pads, not really hitting, but kind of, again, I mean, I just quickness, think he's really, I just think it. he's really, yeah, you can definitely see the quickness, the the shiftiness and all those good things. So, um, you know, Henry Parrish is probably where I lean there. Yep. He's a good one. Uh, you know, mentioned Jaleel Skinner, so won't mention him again. I'll go. And again, I don't think like, I'm not saying he's, he's going to be the guy, you know, in the next year or whatever. But I was encouraged by the way Jakari Brown handled his first week of college football practices. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of early enrollee quarterbacks where their heads are spinning week one um, and they don't look like they belong. Um, now, eventually, some of those guys do figure it out, uh, but for the most part, they don't. Uh, I will say Jakari Brown at least looked like he belonged in week one. Like there is still plenty of developing to do. Uh, it needs to make improvements as a passer. Um, 
you know, with his accuracy at times in particular. Uh, but for the most part, I think he was, he was pretty accurate. Um, and obviously the, the big frame and athleticism is very intriguing. Everything I've heard, uh, coaching staff has been very pleased with what they've seen from Jakari here since enrolling. So that's a good sign. Again, he's a guy that's probably two or three years down the road. Um, but if he keeps working at it, I think Miami fans will be excited about him down the road. Uh, veteran that caught our attention who's a guy that you feel like all right maybe he can maybe he's better than i thought he was going to be in 2022 i don't know man i mean i i just the first person that came to my to my mind when i thought veteran i just thought of will mallory and just because i just again i'm just encouraged about what the tight ends are going to look like david i know you touched on you know how encouraging that unit is i think that he's a i think he's a guy obviously you know been around for a long time came into that same recruiting class with brevin jordan and I guess this is year five for him now. Um, so, you know, definitely a guy that can, that can, that can step up and, and help this offense. And I just think he's a vet that, you know, if he does put it all together, he can definitely be a weapon. We saw sort of the, the ups and downs of Will Mallory over the course of the 2021 season, you know, early on definitely struggled at the end, sort of picked it up, you know, still had some, some things, but I think Will Mallory could potentially be a focal point of this offense. So he's a vet that, you know, I think could, uh, yeah, it feels sort of like, uh, you know, one of the old, I mean, one of the leaders on the team too, you know, just in terms of just sure. being like that type of guy. So, you know, do think he has like this one last shot to prove that, you know, he could potentially help out a team on Sundays. I'll go with Takori Couch. Um, yeah. I think he was quite frankly, really good in, co- yeah, in coverage, was. which is his game. Um, now the pads are coming on and that's where he's going to have to prove himself. Um, but if he proves to be reliable as a tackler, he might be the starter opposite of uh, Tyreek because he can make plays in coverage. We saw that in week one uh, of spring. And that's something that Miami was lacking last year at corner, um, you know, interceptions, getting hands on balls with tips, et cetera, et cetera. Takori did that many, many times, honestly, in the first week when we were watching. So he had a very strong week. I didn't see that coming, honestly. Um, hopefully he can have that level of play translate when the pads are on um, and, and show that he's he can be a reliable tackler, better tackler than he has been, you know, the past year or so. Um, we kind of, I think, already answered this, but Position group monitoring most moving forward. I'll go wide receiver. Just, I mean, that's an easy one. Someone step up, make plays. It's not that complicated. What position group would you highlight as one you're monitoring? Yeah, just to be different, um, you know, probably go linebackers just because, Fair. you know, that's a, that's a, that's a big, big uh, position. I think that, you know, pads are coming it, on. Pads are, exactly. We're definitely going to see what a lot of those guys can do. I feel like you kind of know who they are for the most part. Kind of disappointed. Chase Smith won't be out there because I would love to see him running around in pads at, at linebacker. I think he could be a, one of those guys that potentially changes the trajectory of that room. But, um, you know, just to sort of see what these guys going on, I'm kind of excited to see Wesley Bassain turn on the, uh, put the pads on and sort of get after yeah. it. I want to see if he can, if he can rattle up some of these veterans or, you know, just sort of make a move on the depth chart or, or you know, what, whatever it is, just because I sort of, you know, we've seen what he can do on Friday nights, 
Um, I think he just kind of has that middle linebacker sort of, you know, persona, all that type of stuff. So um, I'm, I'm definitely going to have my eyes on number 31 to see what, what he's sort of doing out there. So I asked, uh, I asked our message board at InsideTheU.com for some questions to answer on the podcast. So I picked out how many? Just four. Uh, appreciate everyone who responded, but uh, we'll have to do some sort of Q&A mailbag type podcast in the future. Uh, but here's four questions. We will start with a question from BA for Canes. And he asks, what staff member? Um, so let's just open this up to coaching staff or off field. Uh, what staff member have you been most impressed with so far, Gabby? What staff member have I been most impressed with so far? That's a good question. Um, gosh. Maybe, I, mean, I feel like we've seen a lot of like Gaddis up close and personal because he kind of works his room right in front of us and just sort of watching the way he's pushing the receivers and how he's kind of, you know, just going after them. I think he's challenging them every single day and, you know, really just through every single rep, through everything. I mean, just kind of challenging them on their habits and some of the things that they've, you know, sort of, you know, made a part of themselves. You know, I think he knows that, that, that this is going to be a big fix and, you know, again, just because he is so close to us, we get to see a lot of this, like really up close, but, uh, you know, I can definitely, I can definitely, you know, go Gaddis here. I think that he's going to do a really good job and, you know, obviously has a ton of respect nationally coming off that Broyles award and what he did at Michigan, but, you know, just even as a, in, in his individual position group with the wide receivers, I think it's been cool to watch him sort of go to work. I'll go Aaron Feld, the strength coach. Um, you know, I think, this is the first time since, you know, Andrew Swayze was highly respected in the early 2000s as a strength coach. Um, I think it's the first time Miami's had, you know, a top 10 strength coach in the country uh, since then. And I think uh, it's going to pay off. I don't know if we'll see results necessarily immediately in 2022. I do think the players are very excited about his programming and, and, uh, what he focuses on with his strength program, but he definitely brings a, a, a cool level of intensity on the practice field. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's, yeah. Strength coaches are interesting because with every regime change, you know, the next strength coach is always the greatest, but I do feel like this one's different. You know, I don't think it's like lip service. I think Aaron Feld is the real deal. And again, Miami has a top 10 strength coach right now. And I think that definitely matters. Um, Chapa City Kane asks, we have been through quite a bit of turnover the last few years, yet the player's body language, attitude, and heart on the field has been questioned under all the regimes. My question is, does it actually feel different this time? Yeah, David. I mean, I, I know that you've gone through more coaching changes and stuff like that. So, I mean, maybe you, you might have a better understanding of all this yeah. just because, but I mean, to me, it feels like, you know, these guys are actually bought in again, just talking to people outside of the program, guys that they're definitely people, bought in. Yeah. Pe people that know people that know the people that are, you know, playing, it seems like, you know, these guys are, are genuinely just like, you know, really excited about this Mario Cristobal era. I mean, when there's a complete and total buy-in from the university, I think the players can sense all that. So. I think that that's legit. Yeah, I do think there's going to be a higher standard that is 
uh, expected by this regime. And I think that's a good thing, right? Now, will this regime be able to land players that can reach those expectations? That's going to be the bottom line. I would bet on Mario Cristobal being able to recruit to that level. Um, and if he does, yeah, I mean, Miami's program is going to take off. I think I've said it on the podcast multiple times in the last few months. This is the best I felt about the Miami program since starting the website. I started it in me, me and Christopher Stock in 2007. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I do feel like everything now is in place. Like Miami is finally catching up uh, to the rest of the college football powers. Now, there's still things that need to be done. Uh, I think they are going to get done. Um, but yeah, this is going to be a process. I want to be clear about that. You know, I think in these pre-spring podcasts where I said to me, this team looks like an eight and four team right now, that's mainly because of the personnel, right? And, and the personnel needs to be improved over time. Um, that could still happen in the transfer portal this summer, et cetera. Um, but this isn't a light switch situation where you hire a big time coach, flip on the light switch and you're 10 and two or 11 and one and competing legitimately with Clemson for the ACC championship. Those things could still happen at this point with the way this roster is right now. I wouldn't bet on that. Um, but I do think over time, Miami's going to get there. Um, so yeah, it does it does actually feel different, um, but there's still a ways to go. I, you got to see how, how is this team going to respond to that early season game against Texas A&M, right? Because uh, I think we've seen how recent years, this team hasn't responded great to tough losses early in the season. Um, how's this team going to respond during that week-to-week -week grind of ACC play? Um, you know, because we've seen they, they've been up and down during, you know, ACC play in recent years. So got to have that level of consistency. That's what separates the big time programs from the average. Um, next question comes from day from work. Radakovich seemed to hint in an interview on WQAM last week that a new football only facilities in the works with plans being announced this summer. What, if anything, have you heard? Um, yeah. So what I've heard, it's nothing like on the level where I want to like report it, report it, but I have heard they're exploring options, right? So an issue with UM, right? You got to try and find space. Where are we going to find space? Um, so I have heard they, they've been exploring pushing out to where the Cobb stadium is, which is the track slash soccer stadium. Um, so maybe build a football only facility there. Um, and so then what would they do with the track and, and all that stuff? I think they have explored, you know, building something in tropical park, maybe. Um, but again, these are all just very last I heard is it was all just being explored. Nothing was done. Nothing was set in stone. So these things might not happen, but definitely facilities football only facilities are being explored and I think they will happen in, in some way. Um, but again, space is an issue. 
at UM. And so some creativity and flexibility is required from all the sports programs. Um, last question here, and then we'll take a break and jump into recruiting. Vero Beach Kane, haven't seen it listed, but I'm just curious as to how many scrimmage do you think will be played? I think, I believe this to be true, Gabby. I think it's a rule, an NCAA rule, where you can only have three 11-on-11 scrimmages in a spring. So um, the spring game is one of those, April 16th. I would assume, you know, typically every head coach, every, every coach structures it that you play two scrimmages, uh, you know, the two weeks before that spring game too. So that's what I would expect this time as well. So with that, let's take a break, Gabby, here, and then we will jump into some recruiting talk. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. All right, Gabby. Um, had a little week off with recruiting somewhat, right? Recruiting never stops, but, uh, you know, staffers were on vacation, well-deserved. And so they weren't able to host that many visitors. Um, but let's go back to that first week of spring football because Miami did have some quality players roll through um, and visit during that first week. If you were going to highlight one guy as being the biggest visit of that first week of spring football, who would you highlight? Yeah, I'm going with the, I'm going with the country's top defensive lineman. That's David Hicks, uh, five-star out of, uh, out of Allen, Texas, you know, a lot of people know about Allen cause they have that big, like $60 million football stadium. Um, David Hicks is from there, uh, has a really good relationship with Rod, with Rod Wright. And, uh, you know, Miami's definitely a school that he's considering along with, you know, some of the big boys out there, like, you know, Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Alabama is involved there as well. So, um, you know, I, if I was just pointing at one guy, probably a couple different directions I can go with this, but uh, if I'm just talking about one dude, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to look past David Hicks. Is the feeling coming out of that visit? Like, is, does Miami feel like they're a legitimate player there? I think they do. You know, I think that they have a, I think they've been doing a really good job just recruiting him, um, you know, just really since they've been there. And I think even going back to Oregon, I think he was a guy that they were really targeting, you know, that Mario Cristobal staff, um, you know, a guy that was at Miami last summer, uh, for paradise camp. I mean, there was people were talking about Marvin Jones jr. And uh, Earl little jr. Working out. And, you know, there was David Hicks sort of just kind of hanging out with the defensive line group, just sort of dominating everyone that was in front of him. So a guy that's pretty familiar with Miami, I think they got him on campus for, you know, he was in South Florida for 
really like three days, like around campus for three days. So, you know, it was just a really good opportunity for them to, you know, show him the vision of the program. I think that they feel like they did a good job of that. So I think they're hoping that they get another official, uh, an official visit when that time comes could potentially happen in the summer. So um, sort of got to wait and see how that goes. But I think Miami feels like they definitely put their best foot forward there. Name one other guy that you feel like Miami is confident they made a move with uh, that visited. Yeah, I'll go Cedric Baxter, number two ranked running back in the country. He's another big time talent that, you know, made his made their way down to, to Coral Gables for a spring practice during that first week. I mean, just talk about just game changing running backs. I think Cedric Baxter checks a lot of those boxes and, you know, sort of coming in, uh, you know, Cedric Baxter was feeling good about Kevin Smith and those types of guys. But from what I understand, they got him on a FaceTime call with Edron James, uh, someone that, you know, he's familiar with, obviously, Hall of Fame running back. Uh, people, people don't realize Cedric Baxter's from Palm Beach County. He has a five, six, one tattoo. So, you know, he's someone that he's someone that, you know, I think Miami is really trying to pursue heavily. And I think that he left the visit feeling much better about Miami than, you know, maybe he did even coming in. So I think again, the hurricanes are, are definitely optimistic that they made a move there. Definitely some big time schools to, to continue to compete with like Florida, you know, USC, um, some of those big time programs are all pushing. So. Uh, it's definitely gonna be a battle, but I think Miami feels like they're right in the thick of it now that they got him on campus. How about this week? And, and you're you'll be writing all week on Inside the U, VIP content. But highlight a couple guys the fans should know that are expected to be at UM this week. Yeah, I mean, two of them that are on campus right now. You know, uh, got in Monday morning. I don't think they're gonna really leave South Florida until what sometime Wednesday. Um, five, both of them play at. Um, at Montgomery, Alabama, Carver, uh, two top 100 talents on the defensive line. It's five-star James Smith, more of a defensive tackle, and then, uh, you know, edge rusher Jaquavius Russaw. And Russaw is a guy that I think they might have as their top edge rusher on their board, you know, someone that they're really, really excited about. And, you know, both those guys being from the state of Alabama and their camp have, you know, really strong relationships with Kevin Steele. I mean, just kind of talking to one of them last night, heading, you know, coming into this visit, you know, it sounds like, you know, uh, people, you know, like trainers that are visiting with Jaquavius Russell and James Smith um, have, a, you know, have been t- dealing with Kevin Smith basically for 20 years. They talked about, you know, talking with uh, Kevin, Kevin Steele when he was at LSU, when he was at Alabama, when he's been at Auburn. So, you know, definitely, definitely a lot of strong ties there. And Mario Cristobal is definitely a part of the equation here, too. So um, I think both those guys are just massive names that Miami is able to get on campus. Obviously, a couple guys from the heart of SEC country could be a tough pool, but I think getting him on campus, I think this visit here is just going to be a big indicator on whether they're going to seriously consider Miami in their recruitment moving forward. So, I mean, we're talking about maybe the most important visits of the week. I mean, I think you got to look at James Smith and Travis Russell. How about later in the week? Um, you know, Miami is having a, a impressive coaches clinic, right? So tell us about that. And then are guys going to be visiting around that coach's clinic in any way, or, or is it separate in, in from what you've been told? Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't gotten a ton of clarity on that, but just sort of hearing when, I'll, when the guys are sort of coming in, it sounds like, you know, I'm not sure if they're trying to mix the coaching clinic with a giant recruiting event, just because it does sound like there's just going to be a lot of people around the university. You know, really it's kind of like an open door policy where as long as you're willing to pay the $50, you can kind of get into the coaches clinic. So I'm assuming they're maybe saving some of those dates that Friday and that Saturday, primarily for that purpose. 
Um, there is going to be some recruits on campus Saturday for uh, Miami's. I believe it'll be their sixth spring practice. Probably the biggest name to know there is going to be Monroe Freeling. He's a six foot seven, 280 plus pound offensive tackle, just true offensive tackle body that you know grew up in the Pacific Northwest watching Oregon and Mario Cristobal and what they're able to do over there. So definitely is a fan of the Ducks and you know just what Mario Cristobal did when he was there. And that's why him getting down to South Florida to see what they got going down here is uh is a big deal. He stays in South Carolina now. That's where he lives now. And you know, that has Clemson and, you know, even a school like Notre Dame feeling like, you know, they're in a good spot in that recruitment as well. But Monroe Freeling might be the biggest recruit name as, as of now, as of Monday at, you know, 2.50 p.m. Uh, he's the biggest name I know right now that will be in, that'll be around, you know, that Saturday for spring practice. And the coaches clinic, uh, the headliner names participating is Sean McVay, right? And Jimmy yeah. Johnson, who else am I missing? Yeah, Ed Ogeron also, um, right. you know, people are going to be familiar with him, won a national championship with LSU in 2019. And Darren Rizzi, who was the longtime right. Dolphins right. special teams coordinator who's with the, who's with the New Orleans Saints now. So uh, definitely some big names. I mean, Super Bowl champ Sean Crazy. McVay. Yeah, Hall of Famer Jimmy Johnson, you know, national champion at the college level, two-time Super Bowl champion at the professional level. So you know, obviously great to whenever you can get Jimmy Johnson through the door. And I think they're also, you know, highlighting their coaches on staff now too, who are going to be, you know, able to, you know, speak and just sort of be a part of this whole coaches clinic as well. I think it's important for, for those guys to, you know, be able to, you know, sell themselves and to be able to, you know, communicate with the, with the audience that's going to be there. So should be a really cool event and kind of excited about it. I want to discuss quarterback recruiting. Um, because this is a time of year where it kind of takes shape. Yeah. Um, and I think I saw, is it right? That Nico, I am a committed. Did he commit to Tennessee this afternoon? Yeah. Yeah. Nicholas. He, he, dang, I practiced so hard on how to say his name and then I just lost it. <laughs> I Nico don't even commit- know. I think it's, I am a Levea or something. Yeah. It's, it's something like that. I literally, I, I heard Blair Angulo saying it on the college football recruiting podcast. And I remember just repeating it to myself over and over and over again, just to try to get it just completely just lost it totally. So that was a waste, but yeah, he just committed to Tennessee. So big, big quarterback domino off the board, right. two of the top three quarterbacks now committed with Malachi Nelson had his USC uh, longtime USC commit. And then uh, Nico now committed to Tennessee. So, um, you know, this is when things start happening, maybe a little bit later than even last year uh, right. the court for the quarterback dominoes, just because this time last year, Miami was essentially getting Jakari Brown on the, on board. I think he committed right. on with sometime within this, I, I believe it's like maybe March, this week. April. Yeah, yeah. I think it was this week last year, Jakari Brown was committing. Okay. So, um, you know, definitely, definitely maybe a little bit later, but still this, this is going to start happening. It's typical once that one big one falls, they all just sort of start to drop right behind them. So definitely you could see a run on quarterbacks coming up shortly. Is it fair to say from a Miami perspective, would you say, Jaden Rashada, who is a four-star, I think he's top 50. He's definitely top 100. He might be even top 50 in the country. He's from Pittsburgh, California, which is like the Bay Area uh, of California. Would you say he's kind of emerging as the top target for Miami at quarterback this cycle? I would. I think that that's sort of the guy that they're sort of maybe all in on right now. But uh, just a a quick not-so-fast you know, Dante Moore is going to visit, you know, the five-star out of Detroit, right. Michigan. He was that elite prospect day with the seven-on-seven team. He is going to be on campus on Tuesday afternoon. He's a part of that football hotbed tour 
Miami originally wasn't on the schedule. They, I think they hit UCF, Florida State, Florida, um, Georgia Tech, Auburn, Georgia. They're making their way down. And, you know, over the weekend sort of heard, started hearing the whispers that they could make that last stop at Miami. And, you know, definitely got the, I got the confirmation after Miami won the round of 32 last night against Auburn that, you know, they would be making their way down. So Dante Moore will be back on campus. It'll probably be more of a personal type of deal just because it'll be a much smaller group than what it was before when with a bunch of uh, seven on seven teams running around and a, just a ton of dudes on campus. So um, I think Miami just has maybe just a second crack on Dante and um, Dante Moore just to sort of see where he's at with them. And maybe they can just get more clarity to see if they just fully pivot uh, to Jaden Rashada. But I think those are still the two names to know. Um, a couple other quarterbacks that visited uh, during that first week of spring practice, top 247 quarterback Marcus Stokes out of Point Badger Beach in the you know Jacksonville area didn't get an offer. Mac Howard out of Mississippi didn't get an offer. I think uh, Marcus Stokes could probably be in line if they were to go offer one more guy. Um, I know Eli Rothstein, who or Holst, Eli Holstein, who just decommitted from Texas A&M. Steve Wilfong mentioned Miami as a potential contender there too. So I think he's a guy maybe you need to, you know, just kind of keep an eye on. Probably not the guy I would sort of peg as Miami's quarterback at this point, but um, definitely a, a few names sort of still in the mix. But I mean, if I think if Miami's if Miami's hand picking one right now, it seems to me like it would be Jaden Rashada. You recently did an article, some of my favorite content, stock up, stock down on recruits. Miami's chasing or looking at, um, you listed quite a few tight ends, Gabby. So I'll let you pick out one tight end stock up that you feel like the fan base should know about. Yeah, I think uh, just a big tight end name that Miami should definitely know about is, is Jelani Thurman. He's out of Langston Hughes in Georgia. I think it's Fairburn, Georgia. Um, you know, big time talent. I mean, just a, a top two, four, seven guy, six foot five, 230 pounds. Um, definitely generating a lot of big time interest. I know he was a, he was one of the top performers at the Pylon Atlanta tournament that uh, Andrew Ivins was, was at and reporting on and you know, just with the tight end board that be, just being so fluid, I know that they got a few guys on campus during that elite prospect day that are all notable, but Jelani Thurman seems like a guy that's really sort of emerging for them, uh, a guy that they're definitely high on. And, you know, he's someone that I think Miami fans might want to get familiar with just because it seems like he's one of those top guys for them uh, at, at the position. I mean, not many have recruited tight ends the way Miami has the past few cycles with, you know, Elijah Arroyo and Jalil Skinner, both being top 10 players at their position. So, you know, they're going to shoot high at, at tight end and feels like Jelani Thurman is one of those guys that they're really trying to reach for. You also were stock up um, on an edge rusher out of Venice High School, Venice, Florida, Damon Wilson. What do we need to know about that situation? Yeah, Damon Wilson's a big name, you know, just in Florida. You're just talking about, you know, it is a what, we'll, what we consider a down year uh, at, at just really across the defensive line. I mean, when you, especially when you compare it to the class of 2022, that was just absolutely loaded, especially in South Florida. So Damon Wilson's a, a, is a big piece here in, in, in really just the state of Florida. So, you know, he's a guy that Miami's been sort of, you know, turning the heat up on a guy that they're hoping to get on campus. I, I know he kind of, he kind of told me that he was planning on getting on campus. Didn't really set a date. I know Andrew Ivins had the same deal where he was just like basically told him that he plans to get to Miami and I think Florida shortly. So, um, I think it'd be big if Miami were to get on campus. He broke the, the Venice school record for most sacks in a season with 15, 23 tackles for a loss for, with a team that won a, 
a state title in Florida's highest classification. So Damon Wilson is a, is definitely a big time, you know, just name to know six foot four, 230 pounder. I think the industry, uh, you know, composite has him as the number seven ranked edge rusher in the country. So um, definitely a big time name. Stock up to on interior offensive lineman, Jonathan Klein. Yeah. I mean, I think they just really are just really impressed with his frame. You know, he's a, yeah. he's definitely a big kid, uh, six foot four, 295 pounds looks absolutely every bit of that. He was definitely impressive, impressive physically at the elite prospect day, which is when he got a, a, a chance to, to see Miami for the first time. I think just after seeing him in person, he's someone that they're really excited about. And, and they're trying to get big people movers. Uh, Jonathan Klein, sort of a gym rat that they're just really high on. Maybe he doesn't have a a ton of stars next to his name doesn't have a ton of like, you know, really, really big offers, but um, you know, someone that they're really excited about on the interior offensive line. I mean, whenever I talk about offensive linemen with some of those guys and, you know, Jonathan Klein's name is it, it typically comes up. So, you know, definitely someone Miami fans want to know. So yeah, check out that article for Gabby's stock down. Uh, we like to keep it positive here on the podcast, so <laughs> we won't discuss those guys. Uh, Let's take some, I, again, we asked for some questions. I, I asked for some recruiting questions too. Um, so let's dive into that and we will wrap it up there, Gabby. Uh, this question comes from Zach Leslie. He asks, while it's a large net being cast, which linebackers do you think Miami has the most traction with at this stage? Hmm, the most traction with? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a few guys that you can definitely put that towards. Um, I think Malik Bryan is someone that, you know, is really, really considering Miami. Um, you know, I, I think five that's star. someone that five-star linebacker, Malik Bryant, definitely a name to know there. I feel like they, I mean, it's tough. I mean, they really feel like they are, really, it, it is a wide net at linebacker, yeah. but they're, they've really concentrated it on guys that they really like. So there's a few names that I could rattle off here. I think they feel pretty good about, you know, their relationship with Tony Rojas, a guy from, you know, big six foot three, 200 pounder from Virginia, who he has a sister that teaches in the Miami Dade County school system. So, you know, someone that they feel like, you know, they can potentially have a connection to there. Uh, Caleb Lavalley is a, is a kid from Georgia who's going to visit in April. I think that they feel really good about him. Uh, Darian Goulet's a name that I dropped on inside the U.com this week. You know, that's a guy that Miami fans are definitely going to want to know. And he's doing a, you know, he told me that he's really building some strong relationships with a few guys on staff you know, highlighted Charlie Strong and, and Dennis Smith, who's definitely been a big part of the recruiting operation for Miami as well. Um, you know, so I think that there's a, there, there, there's a few guys on there that I think, um, you know, Miami feels like they're doing a good job. That's definitely a priority position for them, this recruiting cycle. I think they really want to revamp that room. And so they're going all in on a, on a few different guys, but those are a few that I'll highlight for now. How about Raul Aguirre? His dad, yeah, like knows Alex Mirabal, right, right. from Columbus. Um, he's, he plays in the state of Georgia now. Uh, I get some like Shaq Quarterman vibes from him, honestly. Um, I think he'd be like a good depth addition to the linebacker group is Miami high on him. Would you say? Oh yeah. I think he's definitely a, a priority guy. Just after talking to some of those guys, I didn't really have a, a great sense on where, how they viewed him, but just, you know, kind of got some clarity over the weekend that he's definitely one of those, you know, priority a type of dudes. So, you know, he's someone that I think Miami could be pretty tough to beat. Again, you touch talk about the connections between, you know, his dad playing with those guys, you know, some of the Miami staff at Columbus, you know, being from down here, a guy who's visited again for paradise 
or maybe it wasn't paradise. I think he came to one of the summer camps last summer, yeah. which is when I was first introduced to him. Um, then he you returned for elite prospect day, I believe, because he was playing in that battle Miami tournament. And, you yeah. know, just again, just a guy that they've done a really good job developing a relationship with as well. So um, a guy that I, I mean, again, not, I don't really have my crystal ball in anywhere on him, but if I were putting in one in right now, I think my, it would probably be on Miami. Okay. And, and then local guys there is, and they might need to be further evaluated maybe this spring, right? Spring football, right. but like Stan Quan Clark and uh, Bobby Washington, who are both at Miami Killian. Yeah. I think the, both of those guys are, are definitely named for them. And, you know, Bobby Washington, you know, when, you know, Robbie, Robbie and Bobby Washington sort of hinted that a March commitment could be coming since then. Haven't really heard a ton about what their plan is, but, you know, just kind of figuring out if Miami was a real player for both of them, because it felt like they wanted to go to the same schools. You know, I was, I was told that, you know, Bobby Washington is absolutely a take for them, you know, the, okay. the linebacker. So Robbie Washington might be the bigger name, you know, the top two, four, seven athlete, but Bobby Washington, you know, three-star linebacker stands at six foot three, 205 pounds, someone that they're really excited about as well. So, you know, but maybe those guys maybe aren't, you know, on the level of maybe some of these other guys, but again, right. nonetheless, guys that they're excited about as well. And Stan Quan Clark is, is physically impressive when you talk about, you know, what Miami's looking for. Uh, for their linebackers, I think he checks those boxes for them for sure. CMD 305 is throwing an over under at you, Gabby. Oh, let's go. Over under two and a half, five stars. Miami lands in this 2023 cycle. Two and a half. Um, let's be positive, man. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go over. Okay. I think, I think three could be a, a winning, so give me a, a big number. A realistic so, number. So I won't make you predict all five, but give me like, or sorry, all three, but give me just five names that are like, Miami's legitimately in this, like five, five-star guys. So one would be Jalen Brown, white, white, yeah. the wide receiver at a Gulliver prep. He's probably the most likely of the group, right? Yeah. Jalen Brown definitely might be the most likely. Um, you know, I think Jaden Rashad is likely, I know he's a top, he's a four-star guy, but I think he has five stars on the composite. So I guess that counts. Okay. Um, so, you know, Jaden Rashada could be one of those guys. Um, you know, I think a couple of even those guys from Texas, we're talking about David Hicks, um, even Anthony Hill, you know, the, the linebacker out of, uh, out of Texas two number one ranked linebacker in the country, a guy I probably should have mentioned. I mean, his dad is from marathon in the Florida keys and, you know, definitely, nice. you know, has a tie to the program. You know, I think he'll be at Miami for the spring game. So, you know, Anthony Hill, I don't think is completely out of the question. Um, you know, Jaden Wayne. Yeah. Cormani McLean, of course, from Lakeland, Lake Gibson. I mean, I think Miami has done a really good job recruiting him as well. Um, Jaden Wayne up in uh, Washington right. state is another guy that Mario Cristobal has a longstanding relationship with as well. Um, definitely a few more guys that you could probably Malik throw Bryant. into the mix there. Yeah. Malik Bryan, of course, another linebacker who I think Miami's right in the mix for as well. So, you know, it could, I could definitely see three, you know, I think yeah. we still got a way to go before it's that happens, but I think three is not crazy. I could see two. He's not there right now, but I could see Hakeem Williams at the end of the cycle being a five-star he's yeah. now number 43 in the country so yeah, i think another... cedric baxter is another guy that could trend that way right. too i know people are really really high on him as well so uh cedric baxter i think is another one that could potentially finish in that five-star range dante moore the quarterback who is visiting on tuesday is currently a five-star will he stay there i think we'll see um 
but yeah, they're def. I I would go over as well. And typically, I'm kind of cautious with that type of stuff. Um, but I could see it. Uh, the last recruiting question. Let's go with Kane Blood twenty seven. And this is so they asked. So one of the questions had to do Gabby with local recruiting, and I think the the gist of the question was. Are they getting away from local recruit, like as much local recruiting as we've seen in recent years? Um, so let's start with that. The philosophy on local recruiting with this staff, how would you characterize it? Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately, I think bottom line is it's about just adding the best players possible. And, you know, I think ideally you want to add the best players from your backyard. And, you know, if there are top tier players who Miami feels like are going to help them locally, I mean, I think those guys will always be priority. Like, you know, when you are talking about uh, Hakeem Williams, you're talking about Jalen Brown, we're talking about, you know, I mean, there's a bunch of other guys. I mean, Brandon Innes is a guy they're going to bring on campus on Thursday. They're going to try there. Uh, Mark Fletcher, you know, th those types of guys are always going to be the ones that Miami's going to try to lock up. But, um, you know, I also don't think they're, they're going to be afraid to leave that, that, you know, that footprint. I think that they want to go and find the best players across the country. I mean, when you're talking about the college football landscape, when, you know, you look at the teams that win national championships, they're not recruiting any one specific area. Yeah, Georgia is recruiting the state of Georgia extremely well, but Georgia is also going out and getting guys from all over the country who are coming in and, you know, contributing to that national championship. Alabama has historically done that as well. So, yes, it's about definitely locking up South Florida. That's something that they want to do. The best, best players, right. you know, in that state of Miami, whatever it is, maybe it really across the Sunshine State, everywhere in the state, they feel like it's, it, they want it to be theirs. So they want to get those top guys, but they want to go get the top guys in Georgia as well. And they want to go into Alabama and they want to get guys there. They want to go to Texas and we get a linebacker and a defensive lineman. You know, they want to get those big boys from Texas and uh, you know, wherever they can find them, they, they're not going to be afraid to get them. So you know, I love that approach just because I, yes. I, I just think that's the proven winning recipe. You need, you can't be married to one region and say, we're going to get everything we can from here. Even if we don't know if that, if that is the type of guy that pushes us to that next level of where we want to be. So, you know, I like what they're doing. I think how they're doing it is the right way. And, you know, if, and I think, I think we saw it leaving a little bit too, even last cycle, I think there's times that, you know, maybe those guys come from out of town and maybe even view Miami in, in a different light than maybe some of the the kids locally do, you know, just having been around the program so much and maybe have seen the struggles and all that stuff. I think it's, you know, when you have a Mario Cristobal here and you're bringing in guys from Texas who are seeing the program for the first time, I think they have a different perspective of Miami than maybe some of the guys, you know, even locally as well. So I'm okay going out and getting guys from wherever you can get them. If it's a, if it's about, you know, just winning. I think it'll be less borderline, level like Miami level guys that they take locally, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I think when you look at like the bot, like for instance, like a five eleven six foot linebacker, I don't think this, like, I think previous regimes would take those guys, yeah. um, you know, local guys that were uh, below average body types, I think, but pretty good local players. I don't think this staff's going to do that. Um, you know, I think they're going to have their standard. I think, you know, Mario Cristobal in general wants his team to look a certain way across the board. And so uh, there's always going to be outliers, you know, like let's say, for instance, there's a freak linebacker that's 5'11", you know, like a Denzel Perryman, 
right? Like, of course you go take that guy all day long. Um, but if it's a guy with that body type, that isn't as athletic or productive as Denzel Perryman, I don't think you're going to see this coaching staff settle for those type of guys where, uh, in recent years, I feel like there had been quite a bit of settling. Um, so building on that question, Gabby, the, the specifically came blood 27 was asking about Brandon Ennis. Um, and he, he wants to know, like, are we, are we writing him off necessarily from Miami having a legitimate shot? Um, and I'll say that like, that's probably a reaction to, you know, I did somewhat of a mock class. It was like a dream class, right. On the website. And I didn't include Brandon Ennis. Um, and my, my reasoning for that, I do think Miami's in the mix. I just think right now it's going to be hard to beat USC. Um, I don't think Miami's going to stop recruiting him. I don't think Mario Cristobal is going to give up there. Um, but I do, I, I just think it's USC. So that's why I didn't include him. And I did include guys like Jalen Brown, Hakeem Williams, um, Robbie Washington, I think was the other receiver I included. So I guess just Brandon Ennis, you know, he's obviously a huge name. Um, Miami is in the mix, I do think, but how would you characterize Miami's realistic chances right now in March for him? I do think they've improved dramatically since the last coaching staff, but uh, if we're keeping it real, which we do, how would you assess that recruitment right now? Yeah, not good. I mean, I don't really feel super good about Miami's chances. Um, I do think it's probably USC right now. I haven't thrown the crystal ball in or anything like that. But, you know, I do think that there is a reason why all those are flying in. He did just visit USC with that South Florida Express. And, you know, just me being, you know, cool with a lot of the guys that, you know, are affiliated over there. It sounds like that USC visit really across the board was just extremely positive. Um, you know, I think that they just did a really good job of recruiting the team entirely. So, I think it could be, I, I do think USC is going to be very difficult to beat David. I mean, I just, I completely agree with that assessment. So, you know, again, Miami's going to continue to push, but if we're talking right now on March 21st, um, you know, I would kind of be, you know, my chips all in the middle of the table on the Trojans yeah. just because it feels like that's where things are trending. Look, Miami's going to get them on campus on Thursday. I think, right. you know, the elite prospect day was, was great. You know, I think it was awesome. I think it was a great thing that what Miami did. But, you know, I think with without the full staff in place there, um, you know, I think that they I think it's important that all those guys that were there at Elite Prospect Day, especially some of the local guys, that they get them back and create that more intimate setting for them where they can, you know, continue to establish, like, you know, just further some of those relationships and just get to meet with some of these guys in person. So I think Thursday is, is, is going to be big because, you know, again, we're sort of just getting the just the feedback that we're getting from a lot of the kids that are visiting in these intimate settings from the David Hickses, the, the Cedric Baxters, uh, TJ Shannon, Tackett Curtis, all these big names that are all visiting. You know, Miami, they walked out of like, you know, the Hex Center sure. feeling a lot better about Miami than they did when they walked in. So, um, you know, Antonio Tripp, I mean, a kid that wasn't even didn't even plan on committing anywhere. Like, you know, he that was not on his radar. He was mapping out official visits, planning on getting to South Carolina, left Miami, committed to the Hurricanes. So, you know, I do think that with a visit to Miami, I think that could potentially change things. Um, I'm interested to see how, how, what Brandon Innes' tone is coming out of that visit. And because I think that that could be uh, an important one just after he watches practice and he sort of sees that difference in what Miami kind of is, you know, on a more personal scale. I do think too, 
And this is the case for a lot of elite receiver recruits. They want to know who the quarterback is coming in with them, right? And, yeah. and Malachi Nelson is committed to USC, number two overall player in the country, big time quarterback talent. Uh, he was committed with Brandon at Oklahoma, right? Before yeah. Lincoln Riley uh, changed jobs. So that is something Miami will have to overcome. Um, and they will also need to have a quarterback commit that Brandon is impressed by, if that makes sense. I mean, I think something else to even note there, um, I mean, I, I guess, I'll, I mean, there's, from what I understand, Malachi Nelson is like texting people in SFE, like, hey, when's our next tournament? Like, this wasn't like a, let me play with South Florida Express because they're in Los Angeles. Like, Malachi yeah. Nelson might, you know, start playing with these guys because, you know, they had a really good time. And obviously he's trying to recruit Brandon and, you know, maybe even some of those other guys that are on the roster as well. We're talking about Cormani McLean and some of the other dudes there. So, you know, Malachi Nelson might attach himself to that South Florida Express roster and, you know, right. try to recruit Brandon the whole way through. And who, who, else, who knows how else that sort of plays out. So, you know, I think, yeah, having that quarterback is a really big deal. And, you know, let's say Miami can get a Jaden Rashada on board. Right. I think that that would be a big deal as well, because, you know, who knocked South Florida Express out of that California tournament? Jaden Rashada. He was Did the he? one that was he was he was the one running the team that ended up winning the tournament and knocking out South Florida Express. So, you know, Jaden Rashad is a big time name. And I think he, yes. he has a lot of, a lot of respect out West and maybe gets overshadowed by the Malachi Nelsons, the, you know, Nico Yamalevea, um, the Archmanes, but yeah, I did, but that was always <laughs> going to happen. I just kind of just like ate that as I was going, but you know, Arch Manning too, but Jaden Rashada, you know, is a guy that a lot of people out West are very, very high on. And, you know, I think that's someone that Miami could potentially make a move for. Yeah, I've started watching more film of, of Jaden, and he's definitely legit. He's definitely the real deal. So if he is the guy that they go all in on, uh, I'm here for it. I, I I will say this. I like what I've seen from him more than what I've seen from Dante Moore. Um, Dante Moore would be a fine addition as well. Uh, I, I'm just more of a Jaden Rashada guy. So let's close it off there, Gabby. Um, I think we'll still do some like quick... If you're down, if we'll do some quick instant reaction oh, yeah. podcast, 10 minute hits to, uh, you know, recap the spring practices. So look for something Tuesday afternoon, uh, because now spring football is on a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday schedule, uh, until the spring game. So appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, appreciate all y'all support on the website until next time. Take care. Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. It says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale. Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.